So look, you usually hear the music right now, but I've always wanted to do this, and we don't get to do it all that often because the Jays just really don't play on Saturday evenings all that often. But because they won tonight, let's do it. Live from Toronto, it's Saturday night. This is when you'd hear the voiceover, like, starring Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker, Blake Murphy, your host, Joe Ali. <laughs> uh, thank you for indulging me tonight. A few days off earlier this week with my brother-in-law's wedding. Uh, so coincidentally, that is why I did Jay's talk from the back of my car last night. But I'm back for the rest of the season, much to the delight of a few and the chagrin of most, I'm sure. Uh, I wanted to start this evening, though, by saying something like I, I was really thinking we would maybe in the what this fifth inning. I was thinking we'd start tonight by saying, wow, we haven't had a laugher in a while because let's face it. We haven't really lots of quality wins. You always want a series sweep. That was great in Pittsburgh. A lot of great wins in Baltimore for the doubleheader. They lost one, then wrapped it up with a great game from Alec Manoa, but really lots of tight games, scratching and clawing to get just one or two runs. It sometimes feels like, and and we were well on our way to saying that. And then there was that four run sixth inning, I guess all's well that ends well, but ooh, it was a little tense there for a few minutes. But again, again, to, to use another very uh, popular sports cliche, a win is a win is a win, right? Tapia gets into one. He hits what Ben uh, correctly, I think, referred to an absolute moonshot. I believe that snapped a 29-game homerless drought. Uh, Bo Bichette continues to just slay the baseball, as he has done all month so far. Danny Jansen putting a charge into a swing once again. He got on base a ton tonight. And even Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I know it's the bat. The production may not always be there from the bat, but running the bases like we all want to see, even if the bat isn't always there. It, you know, it all came tonight together tonight on offense. Uh, well, maybe maybe not all together, but the, despite a ton of guys left on once again, it was nice to see 11 runs from the Blue Jays, an offensive explosion, because you know this these bats are talented and it's nice to see it, even if the other team are the Rangers, a ball club that's struggling, a team that has let go of their manager. I believe it was Chris Woodward, right? A former Blue Jay. The Rangers letting go of their manager, their what, what, their president of baseball operations. A lot of things going on with the Rangers right now in Arlington. So, hey, regardless of the quality of opponent, I think you want to see the Blue Jays win as many games as humanly possible. Ten and two in their last 12 games. Eighth win on this road trip that has seen them go through Pittsburgh, Baltimore, now Texas. You take it. Uh, you absolutely take it. But welcome to JSOC, of course, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you this evening as we discuss this 11 to 7 Jays win over the Rangers. Just text tonight, okay? Just text tonight. I usually, I love taking the phone calls. I, re I really do. But I am told the phone lines are down in the building or there's something wonky going on with them, not just here at Sportsnet. I think for the, some of the ra other radio stations as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know, here at this building, this building is kind of weird. There's like a bridge that goes across the building. So it's kind of like two buildings in one. But on the other side of the building, there's the, some of the other local radio stations like KISS, uh, certainly 680, City News 680 now, and uh, CHFI. And I'm told the phone lines are down. It will likely be fixed by tomorrow. But, you know, six, I mean, look, 680 News, they use the phone way more than we do. Like tonight alone, there was the conservative leadership race in Canadian politics. TIFF is happening. I'm sure there's like a zillion other things going on. So here's hoping the phones work for them and for us by tomorrow, but just text tonight. So send them on over at 590-590, name and location. I had said this during the broadcast, but I'll repeat it here again. There was a point in this game in the first inning where it was clear that Arihara just didn't have it. 
They were down 4 nothing. Tons of extra base hits right away. He got caved in. He could not locate the strike zone. Gave up, what, a dozen hits, five walks. It was just bad all around from him tonight. But they left him in there. We got an Espinal RBI double after that. A Tapia three-run bomb after that. A Bichette scorcher that looked like, again, on the replay, it looked like it was maybe a few inches away from being yet another home run. And I don't say separately that I dare say Bo has been so hot that he could probably not only be player of the week, but also player of the month based on what he has done so far. We could play that clip. You know that one from um, from Zoolander? Looks so hot right now. That's, what, that's how it feels like for Bo Bichette. But after the Bo RBI double, Jansen smashes a home run, and then Espinal singles again before they take Arihara out. It almost seemed kind of cruel to leave him in there, but they, it seemed like there were basically two outcomes for him after the first inning. Take him out after the second inning, in which he gets out of a slight jam with no runs allowed, or you just leave him out there to rot, and make him wear it. He was either throwing, essentially he was, I thought he was going to throw either 40 pitches in two innings or 200 pitches in seven innings to save the Rangers bullpen somewhat. Instead, it was kind of somewhere in the middle, 99 pitches over three innings of work, but you, they really left him out there. The crazy thing is the Jays could have made an even bigger dent on him in the second inning of work, but I don't know. I don't really feel like nitpicking the offense too, too much after an 11 run outburst. I know they left a ton of guys on base, more runners left in scoring position yesterday. It seemed a little bit more relevant when they had to eke out a one run win, but today they won by, well, I guess four runs is not a ton more, but still 11 run outburst versus just four yesterday. I think I'll take that. Uh, and then again, the Rangers are, are not a great team. The Jays have just not often gone out there to just thump other teams. So when they do do that, it's just, it's nice to see. Um, I had complained in the pregame show earlier this evening that we don't often see the bottom of the order do a whole lot as of late. And often there are a lot of automatic outs down there. Danny Jansen, notwithstanding. And Jansen, Espinal, Tapia batting seven, eight, nine. I just had to double check that. We got a pretty good outing from the three of them. Now, is that going to happen combined from those guys every time? No, probably not. Probably not, but if the Jays can get some timely hitting from those three, certainly not like we saw tonight, but if they can just get timely hitting on a more consistent basis, gosh, I feel like every time we do Jays talk, I have to use the word inconsistent or consistent. If they can get more consistency from those three at any point between now and the end of the season, and Danny Jansen, I dare say, has been the most consistent. Espinal, certainly there were some big slumps in July and August, but He's been looking a little bit better as of late, even after getting the, what was it, his ring finger? He got hit on the right on the ring finger with a, with a pitch, but he's coming back. He's looking a little better. Certainly had three, uh, three RBI tonight. When Teoscar Hernandez returns from the paternity and then the restricted list, maybe the Jays, and we've seen John Schneider and the rest of the coaching staff not afraid to really mix things up in the batting order. Maybe when Teo returns, they can be afford they can afford to be a little choosier, perhaps, for the lower half of the batting order. But if if Tapia and Espinal, pardon me, if Jansen and Espinal specifically can remain, I'm watching Tapia wear the home run jacket on the baseball control highlights right now. Uh, but if if Jansen and Espinal can remain uh a little bit more hot, a little bit more consistent. I, I got to say, I think I will feel more confident around the rest of this Blue Jays squad because, hey, George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes certainly not in the lineup right now dealing with that hamstring thing. Matt Chapman, 
There's a bit of a question mark with Matt Chapman because certainly still striking out a lot. He takes a couple of walks here and there, but I think you still want more from the bat of Matt Chapman. He's a he's a very hot and cold player, but still, I, I uh, if you can get more consistency from the seven, eight, nine spots specifically from Jansen, Espinal, and Tapia, you'll I think that you'll be very pleased as what you see between now and October fifth. Uh, let's go to the text line five ninety five ninety. I don't, there's no name on this one. It just says, show you are a nerd. I am a nerd. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I am. I, I, I like watching Saturday, you know, Saturday Night Live. What can I, what can I tell you? Um, I see here one Sam from Manitoba. Hi, show. If the playoffs were to start tomorrow, would you rather BGO or Espinal play second? That's a fantastic question because I, I, even if you, if you asked me this question maybe 10 days ago, I think I would have said Espinal. And that was right before he had the ring finger injury, just like we were talking about. Kevin Biggio has, has had, I think, one of the better OPS numbers on this team in certainly the month of September, maybe even going back to the last couple of days of August or so. Kevin Biggio has been fantastic. I think I would still put Espinal on second base because perhaps what the difference for Biggio and Espinal is offensively. I think it is made up defensively by what Espinal brings. Certainly that you're going to see things that get guys get eaten up by some plays every now and again. And Biggio has provided some pretty good value on defense. But for me personally, I think Espinal has earned it. I'm not saying Biggio has not earned it, but I just feel like you can use him in different spaces. But then again, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, like Sam's question, maybe we, uh, hey, maybe we don't see Biggio too, too much beyond pinch hitting in certain situations or depending on who is batting where and uh, and the opposing pitchers and so on. But I, you know, I, I'm going to lean Sam Espinal, but Biggio is not a bad backup as well. Um, I see I see Frank and Scarborough. Book of Bobichet just keeping keeps adding more chapters. It does. Absolutely, it does. Bo is such a fascinating player to watch. I had said this in the pregame show as well, but I think that, I think it was Ben Nicholson Smith who tweeted this out earlier this afternoon, or maybe right around lunchtime today. But he had tweeted out something like, if you look at Bo Bichette's WRC plus and after another scorcher today and a number of extra base hits today, I can only imagine his WRC plus has gone up by, by a little bit, I would think, but still Bo Bichette hitting another knock in there. That was maybe inches from being a home run. His WRC plus is actually higher now than it was at the end of 2021. And last year he had a phenomenal season I believe OPS wise in the month of September, he only trails or pardon me. The only guys who trail him are Aaron judge and Mike Trout. I wonder how that much, how much of that has changed after Mike Trout hit a, a home run in his sixth straight game tonight. So maybe that's changed a teensy bit, but still Bobichet having an absolutely volcanic month of September. I saw another text here. Uh, from Hannah and Waterloo. What does a new contract for Bichette look like eventually? I think it's a very good question. Because we see these big-time deals coming out for all of these young players, Julio Rodriguez most recently with the Mariners, for example, and the Jays just haven't handed out those deals to their similarly homegrown talent, right? Like, we've seen it from the team for free agents, like Ryu, Springer, and now Gossman, but not a lot for the really young stars. So we kind of have to look at comparables to really figure that out. Like, we don't know how the Jays value Bo, first of all, but I think it's safe to say Jays probably value Bo more than the average fan does, if I had to guess. I'd probably start by looking at some relatively comparable contracts. Trevor Story and Javi Baez jumped to mind. Uh, they both signed mirroring contracts. I believe a story with the Red Sox, Javi, with, Javi Baez with the, uh, with the Tigers, certainly. I believe it was six years, 
$140 million, so approximately $23 million a year for those two. Story is second baseman, uh, but he, of course he played at shortstop prior uh, prior to Red Sox, play, playing with the Red Sox. And I guess he does play with, at shortstop with the Red Sox. It's just when maybe Bogarts is not in there. They kind of move things around, but Bogarts, I think, largely is a shortstop for the uh, for the Red Sox. So Story plays at second. Bye is a shortstop as well. But remember, these guys are both 29 years old. They're both exactly 29 years old, which I guess helps why they both signed the identical deals. Bo, obviously, quite a bit younger. I think the story and Baez deals, six years, 140 mil, are the starting points. Since I imagine Bo is getting way more than 140 mil. Like, for example, in Atlanta, a team run by Alex Anthopoulos, of course, a name Blue Jays fans will be very familiar with. We saw some big deals handed out to young guys. Like, look at what Austin Riley got this year. 25 years old. Yes, he's a third baseman, but 10 years, 212 million at the beginning of August. I think I had seen that it was the largest deal in Braves history. That deal starts next year, so it covers a couple of Arb years and then free agent seasons as well. I think he's going to be like 35 or 36 when that deal is, is done. Who knows if he finishes out that deal in a Braves uniform at that age, but at the same time, I got to think the Austin Riley deal is very close to what Bo will get only because that's now the starting point, right? That's where the market has been set. Bo's agents will argue, probably rightfully so, that Bo plays a more valuable position. He has been proving every year for the most part. It'll be really curious to see actually what, uh, in Atlanta, just because we're talking about about Riley, it'll be really curious to see what Dansby Swanson gets. John Heyman saying contract discussions have begun uh, with Swanson and the Braves. He's also an unrestricted free agent after the season ends. I bet he does go back to Atlanta, but I truly believe that Swanson's deal is, is going to be much closer to what Bo gets, or at least the Jays are just seeing to what, see, waiting to see what Swanson and then guys like Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts are all going to get in the offseason because they're the biggest names. And of course, if Swanson goes to market, then he will also be up there with the biggest names for the in the shortstop market. Um, and it'll be really curious to see. I still think the Blue Jays believe in Bo Bichette as a, as the uh, starting shortstop of the future because otherwise, I feel like we would have just seen we would have seen him move to second base by now, right? So Bo Bichette is going to get a pile of money from the Blue Jays eventually, whether it's closer to 140 million or 215 million, let's say is uh, probably up to, it's well, probably up to the Blue Jays, but I'm thinking it's going to be closer to 215 million. And can I just also say it would be the juiciest thing in the world. If let's say Bogarts left the Red Sox and went to go play for the Yankees. I am team chaos. Most of the time I'll never, ever, ever in a million years cheer for any other ALS AL East teams. Given I, I grew up a blue Jays fan, but uh, I'm all for team chaos. The rest of the AL East can be engulfed in chaos as much as humanly possible. Uh, maybe George Springer could also get Carlos Correa to uh, come to Toronto if he opts out, but that's probably not going to happen probably ever. Um, but uh, Bo Bichette has been playing absolutely phenomenally. And I do think, I do genuinely think that uh, he is not only going to be AL player of the week, like Ben said on the broadcast, but probably also AL player of the month. If he keeps up, keeps us up even halfway through the rest of September, uh, we're going to step aside, take a very quick break. And then we will get to uh, the rest of the text at 590, 590. And we will get to the Bet365 standings update as well. But you're listening to JSOC. I'm Show Ali on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to JSOC on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you as we break down this 11-7 Blue Jays win over the Rangers. The eighth win on the road trip. One that has taken them through Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and now Arlington, Texas. The Blue Jays also 10-2 and in their last 12 games. 
Uh, look, regardless of what the opponent looks like, a win is a win. And so I will always take a win for the Blue Jays. Um, I want to get to the Bet365 standings update. Then we'll get to the uh, text lines as well. I see a bunch of questions here. I see one from Chris in Chesterville about chasing the Yankees. Why don't we talk about this more? Okay, well, I'll get to that in a second. But first, the Bet365 standings update with Bet365. You can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So let's look at the AL East and the wild card. So the Yankees won today 10 to 3 over the Rays. So they are now 84 and 56. The Rays with a loss are 78 and 59. The Rays are four and a half games back of the Yankees for the division lead. The Jays with their win today are 78 and 60. So the Jays are just a half game back. Same amount of wins as the Rays. One more loss than the Rays. So they're half a game back of the Rays in the AL East for third place. Baltimore got crushed today by the Boston Red Sox. So the Orioles are 73 and 66 and the Red Sox are 68 and 72. I think the final score was 17 to four. It was like the most runs that certainly all season from the Red Sox. And I think the most runs going back to like middle of last season. So, Hey, the Boston Red Sox playing a little bit better as of late six and four in their last 10 games, but still 68 and 72 on the season. So if you look at the wild card standings, Houston is 89 and 50 Yankees are 84 and 56. The Cleveland guardians are 72 and 65. They also won tonight. I believe the final score was six to three or, or something like that. It was, it was a, it was a relatively six to four is the final score for Cleveland. So they're the division leaders, which means that in the wild card Rays, Jays, Mariners in the, in that order, and the Seattle Mariners right now are leading the Atlanta Braves two to one. So right now, if you're watching baseball for the rest of the evening, I would imagine you're going to be a, a Braves fan because you want to see uh, the Braves knock off the Mariners. And around the rest of the the wild card standing, seventy three and sixty six, Baltimore Orioles, White Sox seventy two and sixty eight. The Twins are exactly at five hundred sixty nine and sixty nine. Nice. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, you look at the rest of the this text. If we go back to Chris and Chesterville's text, why is there not more talk about chasing the Yankees? I think it's possible to surpass them. I I don't entirely disagree. The only reason I think we don't talk about it as much is because things would really have to go the Jays' way for that to happen. I think first we'd have to I think essentially guarantee all but a, a sweep of the Yankees and certainly I think it's what in 10 days or next the week or two but they're playing the Yankees and then they're playing them again in the, in the last maybe 10 days of the season I think in October you'd have to guarantee series victories or sweeps against the Yankees certainly for that to happen or at least to help a lot but outside of that the Jays have a, a t- much tougher schedule than the Yankees do right more games against the Orioles Yankees and Rays down the stretch there's a series against the Phillies in there and uh, yes, a couple more series against the Red Sox, but they are always kind of pesky against the Jays specifically. And I'm not going to completely write them off given the way they've been playing since the Jays last trip to Fenway. On the other side, the Yankees have, this is what their schedule generally speaking looks like six against the Red Sox, two against the Pirates, three against the Rangers. And then you add in three against the Brewers and Orioles each. So you got to think that the Brewers and Orioles series for the Yankees are going to be tough ones to manage, but Six against the Red Sox, two against the Pirates, three against the Rangers. Even the AAA squad of the Yankees should be able to do some damage. Having said that, the Yankees have been playing sub-500 baseball since essentially the All-Star break. Uh, but I, I still think uh, things would have to really go Toronto's way for them to go out there and outright, outright win the ALEs. It's not impossible, Chris. It's definitely not impossible. But it's it's just going to be a bit of an uphill climb and uh, hey, the Blue Jays have been playing very good baseball as of late. So if they continue to do that against the Rays and then the Orioles, I, I think I think I have Jays talk next weekend from the Rogers Center. So if, if that by the time we get there, if they have made up ground on the Rays 
and knocked off the Orioles a couple times as well. Maybe next weekend, this time next week, we're having a different conversation. Maybe that is a completely different conversation. Let's say next Saturday. Um, Adam and Scarborough, would it be better for the Jays if they don't win the division to not be the first wild card? I think that's an interesting question. Uh, Look, I'm of two minds on this. I'm selfishly, I'd like to see the Jays finish as high as humanly possible to ensure a three-game series at Rogers Center so Blake and I can go down to the ballpark for a playoff series and Tom will be down there. I'm sure Blair and Barker will be down there. It's just more fun. It's more fun when we all get to go down there for the for the, for the the playoffs. But because the way it works is the two division winners with the best records get buys to the ALDS, which means the third division winner, which will probably, if we're being honest, be the AL Central division winner at this rate, whether it's the Guardians or the Twins or the White Sox, whoever it is, it'll be that division. Also crazy to say that even the Orioles would be the leaders in that division. It's wild. But either way, the third division winner will take on the third wild card. The first two wild cards will play each other in that three-game series. So while selfishly, I would like to see them finish as highly as possible from a baseball perspective, since it wouldn't really matter for the ALDS since the top two division winners get home field advantage anyways, I guess finishing with the third wild card would actually be kind of advantageous because even if you had to go on the road, who wouldn't feel better about the Jays' chances against, let's say, Twins, Guardians, White Sox in Minnesota, Cleveland, or Chicago instead of the Rays or Mariners? At the same time, I look, the Jays just, they eventually have to beat good teams sooner rather than later. And, I'll, and look, I'll say this, you, you play 162 games, to essentially roll the dice in the playoffs. That's what you're doing in the MLB postseason. You try and position yourself as best you can in the regular season because it is a total crapshoot in the playoffs. I know the whole anything can happen if you make the playoffs thing is a bit tiresome, but the reason they say that is because it's true. It is absolutely a complete mess in the playoffs. I have no like if 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 the Dodgers, Yankees, or Astros were not one of the two teams in the world series. Like if they, if neither, and if any of those teams did not win the world series and it was some other dark horse, would anyone be super surprised? Eh, I don't really think so. Honestly, um, before we go, we have a couple minutes left here. I just wanted to quickly talk about Gossman, Kevin Gossman, final stat line, five and a third innings pitched five earned runs. Uh, well, I guess it was five. I think it was five earned runs, but either way, I, I do think that eight hits nine strikeouts, which was great, but two home runs given up five of those runs came on those two swings. Adolis Garcia, three-run smash, bottom of the first. Sam Huff with a two-run bomb in the sixth. That knocked Gosman out of the game. It happens. You're not going to have sterling outings every time out, and I don't think anyone should be worried about Gosman. Don't get me wrong. It's just something that happens every now and again. Having said that, the issue more than anything is I think we were all hoping for a long, longer Gosman outing than five and a third because there's going to be some serious bullpen usage tomorrow with a bullpen day. If you're wondering why that's the case, Ray series on Monday, five games, Double header on Tuesday. So there has to be some manipulation of the pitching staff here. But we saw, gosh, a ton of relievers. More than I expected to see tonight. But a pop, Bass, Simber, Meza. After already seeing Simber and Meza, albeit for a short period of time on Friday night. I just imagine in a bullpen game, that essentially rules out Simber and Meza tomorrow with a ton of games still to come. I think the next day off is September 19th. Uh, that's a Monday. So one more game against the Rangers tomorrow. Five against the Rays. Three against the O's. And then the day off. So I imagine that means we will also see another bullpen day next weekend against the O's. Uh, like I said, I have JSOC Friday and Saturday next week. So I'm hoping a, the phone lines are fixed by then and B, we will uh, hope the bullpen days go as successfully as they did against the Orioles uh, this past week. But uh, that kind of does it for Jay's talk here on the Sportsnet radio network. Appreciate the texts. 
I'm sure we will talk more about the runners in scoring position problems. I know the base is loaded issues. It's it's been a thing. I see the text from Ryan in Orange Orangeville. We need to be that ba- we need to have that balance moving forward is what Ryan said. I agree. I agree. If the bottom of the order can come through like they did tonight, and again, it's not going to be this consistent every night. If the bottom of the order can play better going forward on a night-to-night basis, whether it's Tapia or whomever in there, I think Blue Jays fans will be really happy. But like I said, that does it for Blue Jays baseball. Thanks for listening. Served up by the always game-ready Jack Link's Meat Snacks. Feature outside baseball fans. Jays beat the Rangers 11-7. to Blair and Barker are back tomorrow for the bullpen day. They'll put a bow on the series in Arlington before the series against the Rays. Have a great night. Talk to you on Sunday. 